Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritschner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. It's Tuesday morning, which means I am joined by Rick Broering, the publisher of MusketeerReport.com and the radio analyst for NKU Men's Basketball. Rick, before we get started here, the sale will be over by the time people listen to this, but People can subscribe to your site just in general, uh, musketeerreport.com, if you want to plug that for just a second. Well, the 75% off sale is over, Paul. That ended Monday night at min or Tuesday at midnight. But as we roll into Tuesday and Wednesday, we actually still have a 60% off sale going. So you take advantage of that, musketeerreport.com. You get 60% off an annual subscription right now. If you sign up, there's going to be a lot of good content coming up on there covering the Xavier Musketeers. Let's start there with Xavier Rick. The Musketeers dropped to number 16 in the AP poll in Monday's new release. Providence moves up six spots to number 17, which means that Xavier and Providence will face off on Wednesday night in a number 16 versus number 17 matchup for first place in the Big East. Those two teams tied at the top of the Big East standings right now. This tends to be a a fairly good matchup for Xavier, but there are question marks surrounding the health of Zach Fremantle right now, which would be huge for this Xavier team in a negative way. The Musketeers have really relied on Fremantle and his depth around the post this season. He's had a great year. Uh, The Musketeers would be uh, looking at a, a tough road ahead without him, but we're still waiting on an official word on that end. What do you make of this game uh, against the Friars looking ahead to Wednesday, especially coming off this one-on-one week over the last few few days here for Xavier? Yeah, well, I would say, first of all, we think Providence is a good matchup for Xavier. They haven't played each other yet this year, so we're going to see how this shakes down. But the theory is the things that have given Xavier the most difficulty this year are, number one, a, a dynamic point guard, playmaker with size and athleticism and beat Soleil boom off the dribble, create plays for his teammates, score himself, draw fouls, all of those types of things. And Providence, they have some talented guards, but not in the way a lot of the other Big East teams do. Jared Bynum has certainly had some success against Xavier in the past, but he's only 5'10", 180 pounds, and he's not a great outside shooter. So you can you can give him a step typically, play off him a little bit, use your length against him. And uh, he, has, he has been very up and down. He is just coming off an injury where he was out for four games. Um, he, he is coming off a, a pretty good performance against Villanova. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs against Xavier, but I think that's kind of the working theory as to why this works out as a pretty good matchup for Xavier. Uh, To add on top of that, Providence is not a three-point shooting team. They get a lot of their offense done by driving the ball, getting to the free throw line, and getting on the offensive glass. So those are areas where I think Xavier can hold up fairly well. How much will Xavier be affected by the loss of Zach Fremantle if that is indeed the case? Again, we don't know for sure, but there has been a lot of speculation about that. So I'll just ask the question now. If Fremantle isn't able to go, you'll probably see a lot more Jerome Hunter, probably see Hunter even slide into the starting lineup. Uh, What more would you want to see out of the, the lineup for Xavier, Rick? Yeah, I think the biggest thing there is Jerome Hunter. And if you're a Xavier fan, the reason you would have some hope if Zach Fremantle has to miss any extended time is Jerome Hunter has played well, and that should give you a little bit of confidence that maybe you can still be a competitive team at the top of the Big East and still earn a a high seed in the NCAA tournament 
even if you have to play for a stretch without Zach Fremantle. And um, I, I don't know offensively if Jerome can give you everything that Zach has, but certainly defensively, he is an upgrade. And in this matchup specifically against uh, Providence, Bryce Hopkins is a really difficult matchup at that forward spot. Really would have been tough for Zach to cover. For Jerome Hunter, it's a better matchup. So it may not be the worst thing in the world for this specific game, but definitely if Xavier has to be without Zach Fremantle for any extended period, they're really going to miss his offense. Very quickly, Rick, anything to take away from the last week for Xavier with a win over UConn and then the loss, a pretty devastating loss on Saturday at Creighton, but is there really anything you can take away from that Creighton loss except that it was against a tough team that was picked to win the Big East in a really hard environment? Yeah, well, it was a, a game that they lost handily. So in that regard, it was devastating. But in terms of what it means for their season, I would say no harm done, really. I mean, no one had Xavier going in and winning games at UConn and at Creighton last week. They were able to sneak out of UConn with the win. They got that big first half lead and then held on for dear life in the second half. I think that was the exact term Sean Miller actually used after the game is we hung on for dear life. And that's exactly what they were able to do. But they also had a response when Gamble Pavilion was rocking and UConn was making that run. Xavier was able to stand up and make some plays and come away with that win. That was big for them. You get one of two of those big road matchups. Now you're still back on track to compete for the top spot in this conference. I think it was really a week that you should look at positively as a Xavier fan. Creighton played one of their best games of the season, and Xavier obviously got into the early foul trouble with the big man. Both Jack Nungy and Zach Fremantle had two fouls before the second media timeout of the first half, and they just really didn't have much of a chance after that happened. So overall, I would say a pretty positive week in terms of what it did for your resume. I'll have Justin Williams from The Athletic on later this week to talk Cincinnati. So, Rick, let's talk about Northern Kentucky right now for a second. The Norse were up 47-27 to at home against Milwaukee in a race for the top of the Horizon League. But then the script flipped in the second half, and Milwaukee outscored Northern Kentucky 48-27 to in the second half to win by one. What led to the collapse, Rick? What was NKU doing well in the first half that they didn't do well in the second half? Well, I think NKU really just punched Milwaukee in the mouth to start that game. And the Norse were getting a lot of pick and roll actions where they were finding their bigs on, on lobs over the top of the defense. Milwaukee was two, putting two defenders on the ball, hard hedging on those picks. And NKU was able to, to find some rollers. They were able to get to the rim. They were able to score inside. And the offense was moving the ball well. And then the second half, you, you run into that weird territory where you have a big lead and you want to work the clock and you want to be somewhat conservative and not take rushed shots because you have such a big lead but you also don't want to take your foot off the gas too early and quit doing what got you that big lead initially so I think NK was battling that a little bit playing the score themselves and then at the same time Milwaukee did a really good job of making some adjustments they quit playing Ahmad Rand who is the leading shot blocker in the conference at the center spot he's only 6'8 he's a great shot blocker but he's only 6'8 they put in a seven footer uh as their backup center and that really eliminated a lot of nku's pick and roll actions the lobs inside and nku's ability to score around the rim the norse had to settle for more jump shots and they were open looks they got a lot of clean looks in the second half they just weren't able to knock those down and and really at a certain point it seemed like their confidence was shaken and and they just couldn't get out of that funk and we've talked about it so much, Rick, but the Norse only have eight games left. They're done for the month of January. They don't play again until Thursday. 
eight games left and Rick, seven of them are on the road. So as the Norse look to position themselves at the top of the standings right now, NKU is tied with three other teams, Milwaukee, Cleveland state and Youngstown state all at the top of the horizon league. But now you got such a tall task to go on the road. So where does this Norse team stand right now? Well, you just said it, Paul. I mean, they really needed to take advantage of these early games at home. And in one stand from one standpoint, they are at the top of the conference right now. So they did a decent enough job that they're competing, but they're tied and they had an opportunity to have some separation. Had they won this Milwaukee game, that would have been a big one. They would have split with Milwaukee for the season and had a game up on them. Instead, they go into this week in a four way tie at the top of the conference at nine and three and Milwaukee has swept them on the year. So um, that that's just going to be tough to make up. And the only home game they have left is uh the game against IUPUI, and that's on Sunday, February 12th. So uh, they've really got two long stretches ahead of them on either side of that game where they're going to have to play a lot of tough road matchups. And with the way this conference has been this year, it's going to be competitive every single night. They're going to have to find a way to come away with some of those tight games on the road. Lastly here, Kentucky. They lose on Saturday night against Kansas in the final game of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The 10 years that that challenge has been going on. Hard to believe it's been going on that long and it's over. The last game of that challenge was Kansas and Kentucky, and Kansas gets the win. I said on yesterday's rebound rundown that there are no moral victories right now for Kentucky. They seemed pretty upbeat in the postgame media, but... Right now, the Wildcats are just lacking quad one wins, and it seems like a team that's tracking to potentially get into the NCAA tournament, but their resume right now just doesn't speak to it, Rick. Well, that's exactly right, and and if you looked at bracketology, a lot of people have them right on that borderline, like 11 seed territory or one of the first teams out, so these quad one opportunities, and they still have a handful left, but that marquee matchup against Kansas with all those eyeballs on it really would have been a great statement game for the Wildcats. They played well enough. They were in the game. They had their opportunities, but they didn't get the win. At a certain point, it's going to be about getting the wins for this UK team. It's not just playing other uh, talented teams closely. And if they don't find a way to win at home against Tennessee and win at home against Arkansas and win at home against Auburn and, and win at Arkansas, that, that final game of the season, then they're really going to be in a, in a tough spot when Selection Sunday comes because they're just not going to have the quad one wins. Rick, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. No area teams were in action on Monday night. There are three area teams in action tonight. Miami of Ohio takes on Toledo at home. Toledo, of course, one of the better teams in the MAC right now. Miami of Ohio trying to scrape together some wins. That game tips off at seven at Millette Hall. Dayton is at home against Loyola Chicago. That one tips at nine. Dayton is heavy favorites in that game. And then Kentucky, you just talked about them. They are on the road at nine o'clock against Ole Miss. Again, Kentucky's just looking to get hot here as we close out the regular season. Still about a month to go, but the Kentucky Wildcats, they have the road in front of them. They have the quad one opportunities in front of them. Just have to take advantage. National Nuggets, it was a wild night on Monday night. The games that happened, they were close and they were good. Number seven, Virginia went on the road and they won by five against Syracuse in a game that came right down to the wire. 
Texas, number 10, Texas beat number 17, Baylor by 576 to 71. And in the shocker of the night, Texas Tech was trailing by 23 against number 12, Iowa State, and came all the way back. Mark Adams leading the Red Raiders to win it in overtime, 80 to 77. Just a brutal loss for Iowa State, a team that's competing for a Big 12 title, and Texas Tech getting the win by three in overtime. A loaded night tonight all over the country. Indiana playing at Maryland. West Virginia playing at TCU. San Diego State at Nevada. Kansas State playing Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. Northwestern at Iowa. Virginia Tech at Miami. Texas A&M at Arkansas. It's a huge night of college hoops tonight. Games starting around 7. And then if you want to stay up for that San Diego State-Nevada game, that goes all the way and tips off at 11 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Paul's pick of the day presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It was close. It was right there. It was on the cusp, but it wasn't a winner. Baylor did not cover the three and a half. They had it right there at the end, but Texas got a late bucket to push the lead from three to five. Baylor fell out, fell out of covering range, and the Bears lost it by five. Tonight, I'm going to pay the Chatterbox crew a favor. The Chatterbox guys, Casey, Trace, Reed, Sean Spurlock, they're all out at Allen Fieldhouse tonight. I am not there. I'm back here in Cincinnati. They're all out there at Allen Fieldhouse for Kansas and Kansas State, which means I'm going to pay them a favor, and I'm going to take Kansas tonight, minus seven at home. I think this is a game that Kansas responds well from the Kentucky game, uses some of that momentum, spring them forward. Kansas, of course, lost to Kansas State a couple of weeks ago. I think this is a revenge spot at home for Kansas. I'll take Minus seven is a fairly big number, but I'm okay taking it at home at Allen Fieldhouse. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and I'll be back tomorrow with another episode.